Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside... Connor Baltasar. And today, boy, oh boy, are we excited, because it this is the first time that we've recorded an episode immediately after a game. Normally, you know, we like to, we like to let things digest, but for this one, we thought it, it prudent to just go straight into our thoughts and Con- Connor, what what are our thoughts and you know uh, actually what what are we thinking about? I suppose. Uh, the cats are going fifteen and zero next year. Or oh is yeah. That a different episode? Oh, that's it. That's a different episode. That's the season predictions. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, of course. I'm getting ahead of myself, but yeah, yeah. what are we thinking? Uh, this cats team looked really good. I don't care that LSU had like forty scholarship players or whatever it is. It doesn't matter because basically their entire team is four and five stars so on paper they're supposed to be more talented than we are and we simply just physically dominated them and the only reason that they stayed in this game is because they are elite athletes across the board yeah and uh just man this is i'm this is why we typically collect our thoughts because this is how jacked we are after wins and we're very down after losses as well but this was a victory in the texas bowl for your kansas state wildcats 42 to 20. Realistically, it should have been 42 to 13 or 14, whatever it was. But because 14, L- I think, yeah, yeah, but because LSU, you know, they they decided to be little babies and run the trick play on the final play of the game when no one was paying attention. All their fans had left because they forgot their beers in the car because you know all that they could do at this point was drink the pain away. So they needed to get the additional beers and whiskey that they had in their car, but. You know, this was a dominant victory for the Cats, and we're just going to start going up and down this this hastily made outline. And the uh, the first the first little bullet point we have is the overarching theme: LSU fans are molding. Like this is <laughs> this is like nuclear level yeah. Chernobyl level meltdowns. For a game that allegedly does not matter, they care a lot. <laughs> like, oh yeah, it was like, and one of the main arguments, of course, is like, oh, they just didn't want to be there. Oh, they had no players. Y'all are getting really angry over something that y'all supposedly don't care about. Yeah, we're like we're getting haters on Style Boys for the first time ever, and second time, I'm, second time. Yeah, we had that one West Virginia guy, but like he was pretty quiet. But yeah, they are not handling this loss well at all, and. I'm not sure why, because they knew it was coming anyways, so they're just kind of struggling to cope with it, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. LSU fans and SEC fans in general, from my experience, kind of suck, mm-hmm. so this isn't too surprising. Yeah. Like, there's there's a high level of arrogance there, like, inherently, with being the air quotes best conference, even though, other they're than not. being very top-heavy, they really struggled in bowl season. Yeah, absolutely. And if you ever want to see the uh, the failures of Louisiana public education or Louisiana State University itself as an educational institution, just look at some of those replies. We had one guy who was trying to make an argument with us. We still we spent about fifteen minutes trying to decipher what argument he was trying to make. We still don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was just like it, it was like the ultimate southern slash old argument because it was like unintelligible with like lots of ellipses like misplaced that was like, actually ed orgeron who <laughs> ed orgeron's burner i'd hope that ed orgeron would be a little better like 
like trash talking. No, he'd this. call a sissy blue shirt and then leave leave us alone. That would be really funny. I I would like I'd like it if at Orgeron trash talk us. Like, Absolutely. I think that'd be it. the best that'd be the best exposure that we could ever get. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you got the next point because I know you're you're relishing in bringing this one up. Yeah, um, Iowa State's greatest team ever has fewer wins than what is considered a mediocre team for K State. <laughs> talk about that i mean like this isn't like an original point like i saw guys like scott wildcat and sean kurtz tweeting like this point basically word for word out but i'm just going to share it again for those who haven't seen it it's basically that k-state went eight and five fired two offensive coaches because like our results were insufficient texas tech went i think seven and six seven and seven six, and six. Yeah, and they fired their head coach because, like, they didn't think they were doing well enough, and they still, like, went to a bowl game and won. And Iowa State, like, was, was supposedly their greatest team ever. Like, and on paper, it was. They go 7-6, and six, and, like, they're ready to build a statue for Matt Campbell. And, like, it, it, it's depressing. I don't get it. Like, you can say because, rent-free all you want. Yeah, <laughs> I don't care if, it's, if this is rent-free because I just generally think it's odd that, like, you know, for a program that, like, unironically like has been uptrending they take a step back but they don't seem to notice <laughs> like yeah, this, I, this year's worse than last year like in all regards for yeah y'all are doing worse than you did in your mickey mouse season congratulations yeah i i don't get it like if i were an iowa state fan i'd be frustrated i'd be very very frustrated like having guys like breeze hall charlie kolar chase young mike rose uh will uh mcdonald well, McDonald, I was about to say, uh, Xavier Anderson. Hutchinson, Xavier Hutchinson, so many weapons on this team. Oh, Brock Purdy. Yeah, he doesn't count as a weapon. <laughs> yeah, he's, a <laughs> he's a weapon but, for the other side. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Brock Purdy is a delivery device for other weapons to do things. And I, if I was Iowa State with that roster going seven and six, I would be upset i'd be very upset because i would say had better years in 2019 and 2020 granted 2020 is a massive asterisk the year is still better regardless yeah even though it is an asterisk i don't want to linger in iowa state too long yeah because the only thing that they have linked to lsu is their they have state in the name and both of their fan bases are hilariously fragile yeah i i never realized lsu's fan base was so fragile until tonight but i didn't either i used to like lsu mostly because of that 2019 team yeah, honestly, I I still like uh, that twenty nineteen a lot. Twenty nineteen team a lot, like they were absolutely excellent. But we yeah, we're still getting trash talk from them as as we speak, like talking about how meaningless the bowl is. It's like if it's meaningless, don't play it. Yeah, we got like, we got why are we there? We got people sleeping with gators and you know drowning in New Orleans only to uh just <laughs> drowning in beer in New Orleans trying to yeah. make coherent literally arguments. living under sea level and yeah. you're talking trash yeah. and i was like okay buddy like you can come to the gargantuan k-state mountaintops meanwhile you're under sea level yeah, okay climb, climb mount sunflower then talk to me yeah climb mount climbing <laughs> because that's something lsu failed to do tonight and that leads us in to the general game day recap so let's start off with the statistics. Connor, do you want to take offensive or defensive statistics? Um, I want to take offensive just okay. because I feel like you're going to have more fun with the defensive ones. Because oh, you like, know where I'm going. There's a, guy, there's a guy that you really enjoyed on the defensive side. But <laughs> offensive, uh, there's a lot to talk about with the offense for K-State because 
the only unit on the defense for LSU that was truly decimated was linebacker. And they filled, they backfilled with some really excellent talent there. And Derek Stingley was out as well, but he's been out all year. So yeah. that's that I don't think that's valid, but they were missing players here and there, but regardless, we're still, you know, a solid team throughout their whole defense, a great team. I would even say at least talent wise, but this K state offense just absolutely diced them up. I mean, this was the best looking the offense has looked all year including against KU and including against gosh I, mean, I don't even know who else to say yeah that, that's the only other even comparable performance because I mean the man at the top in his final game and this game he proved that he earned wearing number seven I think mm-hmm. he truly earned it he's the epitome of a case stater Mr. Skyler Thompson had a phenomenal game 21 of 28 completes 75% of his passes, 259 yards, three touchdowns. Most of his incompletions were drops or just really great pass breakups by the LSU defense. The lone exception was a near interception that I don't blame Skyler for, actually, because it was just an unbelievable read by the linebacker core. And kudos to the LSU linebacker. I forget what number it was. But he made an absolutely phenomenal read on that play. And that would have totally shifted the game as well because it was probably a pick six. But instead, it falls to the ground and the Cats score a few plays later. Skyler Thompson, excellent day. He also had five rushes for 10 yards, including a massive fourth down conversion at one point where he juked out two LSU defenders and dove for the first down. Really hyped everybody up. We went on to score. But then, of course, you have the man, the myth, the legend, Deuce Vaughn. He had 21 carries. 146 yards, three touchdowns, a long of 48, and an average of seven yards per carry. And to go with that, he had two catches and a touchdown. He actually had negative three receiving yards on this game because (laughs) (laughs) one of his receptions, like really early in the game, he lost five yards. And then the touchdown was only two yards. That was the PBU. That was a play that should have been broken up. Oh, you're right, because he caught that. And I forgot about that part. And Connor, so Deuce you're, ends letting, up, you're making them think we didn't watch the game. Oh, no. Yeah, you're right. We didn't watch for some reason. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't yeah Deuce has a weird-looking stat line uh, receiving, but running, he has a 100% Deuce Vaughn-esque stat line. I mean, I just realized this. In the last six games of the year, he eclipsed 100 yards and had at least one touchdown every single week. Going back to TCU, 109, 162, 121, 128, 143, and 146. So just finished on an absolute tear, did Deuce Vaughn, and he was excellent. He is right there, Skyler, for offensive player of the game. And then Jack Sneen had four carries for 18 yards. The Seawolf got an automatic carries. Like, yeah, I, I was happy. He was RB2. He was, honestly. <laughs> Like, they trusted Deneen before Shippers, who had three carries for five yards. Uh, he got a few at the end of the game. And then Malik Knowles took a jet sweep. Receiving, uh, the ball really got spread around here. I was really happy with the receivers today. Phillip Brooks had five receptions for 69 yards. He was clutch yet again, nice. had a really nice game. And then Cade Warner and Malik Knowles. Receiving yardage-wise, they actually had an identical game. Cade and Malik both had three receptions for 42 yards. Cade had another clutch third down play where he got 25 yards. Malik had the first touchdown and the third touchdown or the yes, second, maybe it was the third. But yeah. He, yeah, he finished with two touchdowns. Uh, that first one was an unbelievable athletic play where he just stretched out and 
barely got it over the goal line. You know, those SEC athletes were just unable to keep up with Malik. <laughs> and Daniel Bebe had two receptions for 35 yards. I was really happy to see him get some playing time in his final game in a college uniform because he's like 80 years old and he is way <laughs> out of eligibility because he had really gone quiet in the last month of the year. So uh, it was nice to get some plays. The random Bebe catches. Yeah, he had two of them this game, actually. And he had that second one. I was like, ah, yes, the patented, like, 25-yard Bebe reception that you get just, like, every few games. Yeah. And then Landry Weber had two catches of 29 yards, both on the first series before really hurting his leg pretty badly. Were they back-to-back? Yeah, they were. I think it was Thompson's first two completions were to Landry. Uh, No, they were not. It was his second and third. He had a five-yard and then a 24-yard. That was his second and third completion. So Landry finishes with two catches, 29 yards, but has to leave the game very early in the first quarter. So he was clearly a big part of the game plan, but unfortunately got injured. Eric Hommel had a catch right before halftime, one catch, 24 yards. I, he's oddly involved in the last few weeks. Sammy Wheeler had a catch for 12 yards. Leonard's had a catch for five yards. Senate had a catch for four yards. And that pretty much does it for the offensive stats. I kind of took my time there, but... I just wanted to get through and mention all the players, especially the seniors and the big names, just because this was the last game of the year and the offense was just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Although there is a even, I would say even larger reason for that, other than the players that we will get into later. I mean, I don't know why I'm like teasing it. It's Con Klein, but we will talk about that just, a little they, bit they, later. They, how, now it's a spoiler, Connor. <laughs> Come on now. I, I I totally spoiled, you know, what happened in the game. So. <laughs> What if people didn't watch, like us? Like, like us, like us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, LSU fans are funny. But now let's go to the defensive stats, and the one I'm most excited for, I can't stop smiling about it. The leading tackler on the day is the Ross boss, number 19 Ross Elder, with a total of 11 tackles. But no, it did not suffice for the Ross boss to go out with the leading tackler in a bowl game against an SEC school. No, he had to get the user lurk and get an interception and return it for 32 yards in what is likely his final game as a K-State Wildcat. Yeah, Ross... Ross was great. <laughs> like, why is Ross goaded now? <laughs> he Ross he got better with every game. It felt like like beginning of the season was kind of similar to last year, where it felt like he was a liability. And but about halfway through the year, he just flipped a switch, and he really came into his own by the end of the season. Baylor, he was excellent in the Baylor. Oh yeah, game. and he was really good tonight as well. He got his first career interception. That was awesome. Granted, it was the it was a very easy interception. Yeah, it like is. No, almost like they were playing with a receiver quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Crazy, I know. But no, like, yeah, it was great, great game for Ross Elder. He really did his thing. He has a super senior year available. I'm not sure what his status is on that. He hasn't announced anything. I would love if he came back because we really need safeties. And if he comes back, that just only makes this already very stout defense even even better. So I'd love to see him come back. Not to hijack your defensive stats, but I just had some stuff to say about Ross because like he was awesome. We love the Ross boss here. We originally kind of eh on him, but we we yeah. we love the Ross boss. But yep. there were other pretty there were a lot of other contributors on the defensive side of the ball. 
The second leading tackler was actually a tie between Daniel Green and Cody Fletcher. Daniel Green had two tackles for loss, though, and Cody Fletcher had a... No, that's Julius Brents. So they both had six tackles. Julius Brents had five and a pass breakup. Russ Yeast, I almost did the joke, had three tackles, (laughs) half a TFO. Should we reveal the joke? No. Okay. (laughs) Moving on. Uh, He actually had four tackles. Austin Moore had three. Eli Huggins had three. TJ Smith had three. Boom Massey had three. Reggie had two. Hence had two. Matlick had two. King Felix and DK Uzama had two. Jalen Pickle had one. J-Mac had one. Gainis had one. Omar Daniels had one. Echo had one. Ryan Hennington had one. Marvin Martin. Matthew Mushmeyer. Mashmeyer? Mashmeyer, I think. Mashmeyer had one. And finally, Eric Munoz had the greatest tackle in yeah, his it, K-State career. It was very noticeable. Uh, good on you, Eric Munoz. That would be really we're really building a tradition of getting impact linebacker transfers. You know, with Eric Munoz, we're continuing that with Brandon Jennings. I mean, they're basically on the same playing field. So. Yeah, absolutely. There was a nice voice crack from me, but (laughs) that is the defensive stats. And let's talk about the next thing, which is the referees. Now I know we're a team from Kansas complaining about referees with a significant portion of LSU players. I know this may seem like the chiefs game, but the LS, the refs for LSU, there were multiple times that they just didn't call things on LSU. Like Phillip Brooks getting speared and then punched in the face. They just didn't call that. Yeah, I, I don't get it. Uh, Zentner, he like was drawing with a guy and the dude just punched him. And then <laughs> Zentner got flagged for yeah, it. Like, <laughs> you have a punchable face. How dare you do that to Legatron? Yeah, and he like and he like went under the face mask to like actually punch him. Like yeah. which on one hand smart move like because you're actually just going to hurt your hand punching guy in the helmet on the other hand that should absolutely get you ejected and it does by the rules but the refs the refs seemed a bit out to get k-state on the unsportsman likes and that's not me saying that they weren't doing it it's me saying that lsu was also doing it and they were not getting flagged nearly as consistently and i'm like if you're going to be this harsh with the unsportsman likes it's got to go both ways because it takes two to tango and both teams were going back and forth pretty hard. And I liked the swagger that KSA played with. I liked the chippiness. It went a little bit too far at times, but I did like that this team played like a, they had a chip on their shoulder. And, yeah. and and they went out there with something to prove, and they absolutely proved it. And it's that even though LSU was playing like their backups in a few spots or whatever, doesn't matter. K-State proved they were better than a lot of four and five stars. So Yeah, absolutely. And I honestly, Zentner should have just right roundhouse the guy. With the way his leg is, he probably would have just had his head explode. But the next... I would have loved that. <laughs> next point is about team cohesion. And this is, there are a couple of times this year that this team played ridiculously well and they played as a unit. But this is perhaps one of the better examples of it. And again, it could be because they were starting a wide receiver at quarterback, but he was also a quarterback in high school. That'll be my excuse. <laughs> they just needed to trust their wide receiver at quarterback. That's what... <laughs> yeah, that's got to be it. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be it. But this this team really gelled in their last game, which on one hand, it makes me really sad that it's their last game. 
On the other hand, I'm glad to see them go out on a note this together. Yeah, and I also am optimistic because this is a squad that has a lot of impact players coming back for another season. And in the spots that we are not bringing someone back or we're losing a guy, like we're bringing in new people that, or we have people waiting in the wings that I think are going to be impact guys. Like Adrian Martinez at quarterback. Like Deuce is coming back at uh, at running back. Receivers. Are, we know we're bringing back Brooks, and we know that we're going to bring back all the younger guys like RJ Garcia, Malik, hopefully returning. Hopefully. And then, of course, like Jax is back. Uh, Panzer on the offensive line. He got a lot of rotational snaps this year. He's back. BB's back. Duffy's back. And then we'll have other guys in the interior that are developing, like Lean Gang. Defensively, basically everybody like in the front six that's like massive is back. Sans Eli Huggins. That's Sans Timmy, which really sucks. And I wish he could have played, but he congratulations to Timmy Horn on becoming a father, by the way. Yes, congratulations, Timmy Horn. I understand that the birth of your child is probably a little bit more important than a bowl game. That yeah. is all right. I don't blame you. And I mean, Eli LSU Huggins, just yeah. had players not show up, so they had you had a better reason than them. Yeah, that's true, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get my shots in while I can. This is what yeah. happens when you don't give me time to calm down. <laughs> I, I'm liking it, though. I, I like this format. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people coming back next year. I expect team chemistry to be really high. Uh, yeah. Sorry, next season. You got the next two points. Yep. Uh, Deuce is really good. That's, that's it. it. That's on. just kidding. But anyway, Deuce was absolutely excellent. He had a slow-ish start, especially the first couple possessions. He wasn't breaking free as much, but he started to get those five-yard chunks, and then he really started to loosen the team up, especially as they realized that Skyler was just having a field day on their secondary, and that forced them to spread out, and then Deuce just went to town on them with the long runs because he did have the long uh, uh, touchdowns or the, the just the long runs in general. I don't think he had a breakaway. He, he collected number five's ankles. He did. He broke a dude's ankles. Uh, I had to tweak do numbers because of it. He had a long and, of uh, 48. Yeah. Uh, but he had uh, yeah, the 18-yard touchdown in the third quarter. Deuce was excellent. He had the receiving touchdown, four touchdowns in a game. I'm pretty sure he broke the uh, single-season all-purpose yards. He did. Was it rushing or all-purpose? I don't think it was rushing. It may rushing. have been all-purpose. It may have yeah. been all-purpose. Because Darren Sproles has the rushing, and it's like 2,000. Like, that's never getting broken. <laughs> like, unless Deuce goes off next year. Which? And, I mean, I, if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be him. But yeah, the, the point that's being made here is that Deuce is great, and we should really, really just savor him being here. Because it's getting to the point where he's so prolific that we're probably going to have to prepare for him not being here after next season. And like I, I really think that he's going to declare early because his dad's an NFL scout. He's more than aware of the view of NFL running backs, which is that they don't last long. So if he stays in college another year, he might get drafted higher. But he's already got so much working against him. Like so, he might just go out next year, and I wouldn't blame him. I'll be sad. I'll miss him. But like he's he's just incredible. Yeah. And then you have the next point yes. as well. Skyler Thompson in his final game in the Texas Bowl. I did he win the MVP? Yes. Yes, he did. 
And wow, it's it's the end of an era. Unless he somehow finds another way to get another <laughs> season, which the infinite eligibility of Skylar Thompson. You cannot rule it out. You cannot rule out that Skylar might find a way. But I mean, he finished his last season. This last game put him over 2,000 yards on the season. First time he's done that since 2019. Uh, this last game also ties his single season best for passing touchdowns, also 2019 with 12. And then he threw only four interceptions. And he didn't rush as well this year, but he didn't really need to. He does, with this game, finish in the positives. He had negative six going into this game, but he now will have... <laughs> four <laughs> so pretty great stuff from Skyler but the overarching point here is Sky Skyler graduating and leaving is the end of a fairly long era of K-State football because in the at least in my lifetime you can break it into at least in my in my memory you can break into a few eras there's the end of Snyder 1.0 uh, the Prince and Freeman years, then you have the beginning of Snyder 2.0, where we kind of rotated guys with Carson Kaufman, we had Grant Gregory, and then we had the Colin Klein glory years, then we had the Jake Waters and Jesse Ertz era, and since then it's basically been the Thompson era, because like, in the Thompson and Ertz era overlaps a little bit in 2017, but this has been a long, long like generation of K-State football. Skyler's been the quarterback for a long time. Like since 2017, most schools never have a quarterback that long. Yeah. And I feel like with hindsight, we were spoiled to have Skyler because he rarely was horribly stupid, but he also was such a competitor. He he's such a fighter. Like I I don't know a all of what to say about Skyler, but like it is weird that next year somebody's going to be taking snaps that it's not Skyler, and it's not because like Skyler's hurt or whatever, or we're blowing someone out, it's because he's not on the team. Yeah. And it's gonna be really weird. I'm I'm very sad about it. I haven't really thought about it much until like we've started talking about until it. Now. <laughs> yeah. So my my thoughts on it are very raw. And yeah. But I'm very happy for Skyler, though. Like this is the the end he deserved, not the Baylor game, because the Baylor game was an off final home game. But this more than makes up for it. He goes home with a trophy. Of course, you know you want to win more games and you want to like play the full season and stuff like that. But Skyler goes out on a very very high note. One of his best performances ever as a Wildcat, definitely in the top five, like easily. But he goes out top 10 in like a bazillion statistical categories. And man, it was just good. I really enjoyed having Skyler as the quarterback, but it's time to look to the future. Yeah. And I'm both sad about what we're losing, but also optimistic about what we're gaining. Yeah. So. And we'll do a, a proper Skyler send off in the, the season recap. But right now, it just let it sink in that. One of the K-State greats and a K-State legend just went out and showed out in his final game as a Wildcat. And maybe we'll yep. see him on Sundays, maybe we won't. But what he contributed to this team and what he meant to this team cannot be understated. Yep, great way to put it. Like, his contribution was immense. And, I mean, 
all you have to do to think back to what he meant to this football team is think back to the Southern Illinois game and the image of Coach Kleiman, like just utterly dejected uh, uh, on his on gone. his knees. Now just it just completely gone, just dead on the inside. But that goes back to how much Skyler meant to this team and how much he meant to Kleiman and just his role in moving this program forward because now we were very worried about quarterback going forward at one point this year i was willing to see what happens but in general the fan base now like with skyler riding off into the sunset there's i think a sense of optimism regarding next season a lot of that stems from winning the bowl game and i think a lot of that stems from people are starting to see what climate's building and this is kind of getting a little bit out of the realm of what we were talking about but Skyler, I think people are going to look back on him and realize what a great quarterback he was. Because I know there's a lot of controversy about him while he was here. I remember back in 2019, people talked about him like being bad or something. I never thought he was a bad quarterback. Yeah. Like, I think he was very consistently until this year, like in the middle tier of quarterbacks in the Big 12. And I think he took a step up this year for the most part. But yeah. I miss him. Miss him a lot. Yeah, which he is actually our first segment on game day grades where we go through every single position group, including coordinators, giving them a grade from A plus to F. A plus meaning they almost single-handedly won us the game and F meaning they almost single-handedly lost us the game. And of course, we have to start with the man under center, Skylar Thompson. And just he could have honestly had a worse day than he did. But just for the sentimental value and what he did, he'd get an A+. He just happened to have an excellent game. So, Skylar Thompson, as his fin- in his final game, gets an A+, for me. He gets an A+, for me as well. I think it would be heresy to give him anything but an A+. Because, <laughs> A, it was his last game when we won. And, B, he was just insanely good and actually deserved this A+. He fought so hard. He was hyped up the whole game. And he was excited the entire game. And he looked like he was having a ton of fun. And I'm very happy for Skyler that he gets to go out this way. E- easiest A-plus of this season. I don't know. The next one's pretty easy as well because it's running back. And uh, while while it is easy to lump in Jacksonine and Jordan Chippers with this, the, the real running back of the day was Deuce Vaughn. And this is another really easy one. He gets an A-plus as well. If not, just because he collected multiple ankles, and he was just deuce is deuce. What can you do? I mean, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. What can you do? The answer is nothing or very little. And LSU, they were able to hold him off for like two series, and then he just got his. I mean, there's only so much that you can do to stop deuce. And he finishes with 21 carries, 146 yards, three touchdowns. The stats. Deuce was taking ankles. He was making defenders look silly. He was making those four and five star guys look like they had never been on a football field before. Deuce, <laughs> just the master of creating bad ankles, the master of being slippery and shifty. And he is just a treasure as a K State fan. And people do know that. And it's going to be a sad day when Deuce hangs it up. Oh, we don't have to think about that right now. We don't because he's back again. He will be here next year to run the triple option with uh, Martinez and Jackson. And that will lead us to 15 and 0 
Big you were about to say Kai Thomas. <laughs> I was not. I'm not even touching that right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nightmare in and of itself. But the next room is the wide receivers room, which on the year, if you've listened to the shows throughout the year, they've been... Uh, <laughs> put it mildly, we haven't been the biggest fans of the receivers. Yeah, to put it mildly. But I feel very comfortable saying that this was probably the receiver's best game on the year. And it's because everyone that we've expected to contribute for basically the entire year did. Brooks got his. Malik finally showed that potential that we've been begging him to show. Cade Warner got his. Landry, whenever he was in, got his. Eric Hommel even had a reception. <laughs> Yeah, he did. He had, it was like a 25-yarder. Like, it was a 24 yard reception. <laughs> yeah, I got thrown to him on the sideline. I was like, who just got... Oh, my oh, God, it's Eric Hommel. Weird. Do I wish that the receivers didn't have a few drops? Yeah, but at the same time, they certainly earned enough to get a B-plus from me. And, man, if Malik is as good as he was in the bowl game next year through the entire season... Oh, we're going to be a problem. Yeah, Malik, he showed his wide receiver one potential. Had two touchdowns, only one other reception, but he wasn't really needed for a majority of the game to fill that role because Deuce was doing so well, and we were spreading the ball around pretty well. And I think that was a pretty active choice by Colin Klein to do that. And, I mean, the receivers were really good. They had a few drops. Uh, though They were all initiated by pretty forceful contact with the exception of like one or two i think both were Cade warner the fade route and then uh route up the uh right side and yeah but yeah philip was really good again philip really had a sneaky good season uh he's gonna finish with nearly 500 yards uh receiving which there hasn't been many 500 yard receiving seasons for k-state recently which says a lot but yeah <laughs> Yeah, Cade Warner and Malik, they were both really good. Landry was doing really well before he got hurt. Landry. You know, I gave them an A because they actively contributed to the victory in a very positive way. And they weren't the sole reason for victory. I mean, it was pretty much the offense as a whole. But they, I was really impressed with the receivers and how they played. They didn't have, like, dumb drops, like, to put it that way. Like, it wasn't, like, something, like, hitting them in the hands and... It's like, oh, they turned around too fast. It was like, oh, he got blown up. Or he yeah. literally speared by a cornerback like, and didn't hang on, and then got punched. And then like, punched in the face, but it wasn't yeah. called. But receivers got an A for me. Yeah. Next up, tight ends fullbacks. Yeah, I I couldn't find a reason to give them lower than a B+. Bebe got his two random catches, which, bye, Bebe. We, we barely knew you. We wish you. We wish you had you longer. Nick Leonard's had a catch, and Wheeler had a catch. And it's... Oh, so did Senate. Senate had that smoked sausage play. I Yeah, he had the old shovel pass. Yeah. Like, literally, just Colin Klein watched a Chiefs game. It was like, oh, that's good. <laughs> Everyone watches a Chiefs game, and then I want to do that. And half the time, it doesn't work. But ours did. But they did pretty well blocking, and they contributed in the receiving game. They get a B-plus from me. I gave him a B plus as well. I really, really, really wanted to give them an A minus, 
but the I think one more impact reception from a tight end or fullback would have done it for me, and I would have gone over the edge. But they were pretty good blocking. Leonard's, I'm not going to pick on him like actively for this. Like it's just unfortunate. <laughs> but he did get stuck in pass blocking with uh, Ujulari for LS, who's very good. Yeah, and he shouldn't have done that. <laughs> that was a yeah. That was not the best choice uh, in pass scheme and pass block scheming. And I probably should have had BB help out on that. But you know, it's not really Nick Leonard's fault. He was doing really well run blocking though. Uh, Deneen, he ran the ball a few times and looked good. Uh, Wheeler, he had a nice reception early in the game. Letters had a catch. Senate had a catch. You know, they contributed. B+. Plus. Yeah. Now let's get into the offensive line room, which had a very rocky start, namely from two players, Noah Johnson and Christian Duffy. But as the game went on, they seemed to get considerably better. Although Christian Duffy still had a few, as Connor and I have started calling them, Christian Duffy moments. But that's just that's just kind of when I get what you're going to get from him. And honestly, they played well enough, not well enough to get an A or an A-, minus, but they played well enough in what they were asked to do. They were constantly clearing out the middle. It was just a few mistakes in pass protection that ended up getting Skyler sacked twice, but they get a B-plus from me. Yeah, I gave him an A minus because, like A said, they did get off to a pretty rocky start. Uh, there was a lot of pressure on Skyler Thompson in the beginning of the game, but they really settled in and found their groove. Logan Long rotated in a little bit as well; it was good. Katori Leviston just absolutely demolished somebody late in the game. Yeah. <laughs> I saw him come in and he just bowled somebody over in a power run. Which that's KT Leviston's wheelhouse. I mean, if you get if you have the unfortunate distinction of being stuck head up on KT Leviston in a power run right behind him. You may as well just give up. You just die. You're you're done. You're done. (laughs) That's all I say. But I have an A- minus to the offensive line. Uh, Other than pretty early in the game, I was generally happy with how they performed. There was some issues with outside run early in the game, but get this, we adapted and moved away from it and found run schemes that worked. And then Duffy, yeah, like you said, he did have his Duffy moments, but he did, when he wasn't doing that, he was quietly doing well. And like, like he doesn't get a ton of credit for that, mainly because when he messes up, you can tell, but like he, he does do his job quite a bit and I'm, I'm happy with him. Like, and then, you know, BB was good. Revis was good. O-line was good. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm still looking at LSU. They're still trickling in. The LSU fans are still angry. <laughs> they are? Yes. They're, just... they're still trickling in, being mad on the feed. <laughs> just mad online. Yeah, just go touch grass. Just, go, just home. go home. Go home, dude. But yeah, we sorry about that. Sorry for that for that slight interruption. But now let's go into things that actually matters, which is the exact opposite of LSU fans' opinions, which is the defensive game day grades. Starting off with the defensive line, again, I, the entire defensive unit, I don't have much to say about, because other than a couple of head-scratching moments, they did okay, like tackling was meh, but other than that, they clutched up when it mattered, and when it didn't matter is when they gave up scores. So, starting off with the defensive line, I gave them an A, Matlick had a couple of really good moments. Felix had a couple of plays where he was just getting straight up mugged. Yep. Tyrone Tolini 
uh, contributed, or am I thinking of a? Is it Tyron Tolina? I'm thinking of. Are you thinking of Robert Hentz? I'm thinking of Robert Hentz, and Kamari Gainis, not Tyron Tolini. Uh They both contributed. Yeah, everyone got in. They did pretty well. Give them an A. I give him an A minus. Basically, same reasons. Uh, the only thing, like, of course, they didn't get a lot of pass rush because generally LSU was not throwing the ball. Yeah. And when they were, it was like, like, or when they were throwing the ball, at least they weren't doing it traditionally where it allowed for significant pass rush. Very rarely, at least. And so in the few situations in which that happened, we knew the pass was coming. So we were probably just dropping back anyways and like letting them rush into a throw and mess it up on their own, which they did generally. And so Boom Massey, he was very good this game. He had some very, very impactful plays, but I mean, the defensive line was good. And I, I've, of course, it would have been nice to have more splash plays, but I mean, they did what they had to against a depleted LSU offense, but still a talented LSU offense. Yeah. Sorry, like LSU fans going wild. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll just start looking at it and I feel my IQ dropping and I start talking in a Southern accent. So maybe that's what was happening to Brian Kelly. His IQ was just getting sucked out of his body. That but, might be what happened. That might be what happened. Yeah, I have family that lives in Louisiana. They're, I really hope they never listen to this. But next up is the linebacker room led by Daniel Green, of course. And Daniel Green almost single-handedly just gave this group an A. But even then, Cody Fletcher still contributed, so A. Yep. Daniel Green is great. Six tackles, two for loss. Not much to complain about there. Fletcher was solid in his final game as a Wildcat. Austin Moore had three tackles and half a tackle for loss. Uh, he did that with Robert Hentz. And Nick Allen, I believe, is still injured, so I didn't see him. The legend, Nick Moon, or Nick, Eric Nick Munoz. Munoz. <laughs> Eric, Eric Munoz did have a tackle late in the game, so that the impact transfer getting some stats up late in the game. So, nice play. Yeah. And finally, I have defensive backs, and... I really wanted to give solid A's across the board, but there are two plays in particular that I'm thinking of that just, no. The first play is, granted, there was a tiny bit of a push-off, but Echo still should have been able to make the play on that first fade ball. He should have been able to make a play there. Yep. So that if, the, if that were it, it would have been fine. But also that final trick play where the game was basically over, I hate to knock them for that because literally no one will care except for molding LSU fans trying to convince us that it was a... A considerably better game than it actually was yeah it, i gotta give him an a minus for that just because sometimes the tackling was a tiny bit suspect as well although now that i'm thinking about it maybe i should give him an a plus just for ross elder existing yeah i that's what i would have done but i'll balance it out i give him an a uh ross elder had the game of his life 11 tackles one pick and then julius Brents was good he had five tackles uh, russ yeast had four tackles and another pick and I mean, Rusty East is just absolutely excellent this season. His his addition could not be... You cannot overstate the impact that he had on the team this year. He made incredible play after incredible play. Yeah, like you said, there were a few lapses in coverage. Uh, there was a minor push-off on Echo there on that first touchdown that LSU got. And probably should have called it, but the yeah. rest... The refs were kind of handling LSU with kid gloves this game because they were so shorthanded, which, okay, yeah. I guess. And, right. and so they got a few touchdowns, 
And like yeah, the deep I don't care about the deep trick play because they like burned like somebody that I'd never heard of. Like so I, I think it was Mashmeyer. I think I think it was Mashmeyer and like it's whatever. You know, it's garbage time. It's garbage time. I I don't care. Like at that point, why is it matter? So like they I, I would have rather that they not call timeouts and just let the game end, but hey. Oh well, uh, yeah. they got their they got their pity points. So yeah, absolutely, and that's what they are pity points. It's like uh, the people on the edge of Bourbon Street. They're just uh, they're they're well, they're not looking at you because they think they want to be your friend. We'll just say that. But <laughs> let's <laughs> the now this is one that's that's really exciting and that we're really excited to talk about. Because the entire season, we've been talking about mess. And uh, we have a new interim offensive coordinator, and that is Colin Klein. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. His performance, well, no, that's its own segment. He gets an A from me. He gets an A from me because it was such a, a breath of fresh air seeing, like, he was adjusting his play calls in the middle of a drive when he realized that running to the outside wasn't working. And I, I was genuinely confused which football team I was watching. That was phenomenal. Uh, watching Klein make not just mid-game, but mid-drive adjustments in uh, our philosophy for running the ball in that game. Because we clearly wanted to get outside early. And we had two straight outside runs. get tackled for like three, four-yard losses. And Klein said, okay, that's not going to work. Work are just going to try something else. And then we did we went more inside power and that worked much better and and i he was great i mean he was well beyond my expectations i expected a solid k-state offensive game but instead we end up with the highest point output of the season for a k-state offense we put up 42 points probably should have had 49 yeah probably should have had even more than that but you know, Malik, for some reason, cut inside on that kick return, which that was unbelievably frustrating. Yeah. Like, it, it literally does not matter, but he could have had a kick return touchdown the bowl game, and he elected not to. Like, that's the only way to describe he it. He declined. He opted out of a touchdown. He, he That is the best way to describe it is he, he opted to not score. Like, I guess yeah. out of... Which, like, I guess it's better than all of LSU's players who just decided to opt out of the bowl game. Malik Knowles just decided to opt out of one touchdown. Yeah, uh, that's better because we still got two more out of Malik. So I'll mm-hmm. take that trade. That, that's a that's a net win. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Klein, I gave an A+. I mean, I absolutely loved the game that he called. And, I mean, we constantly had LSU on their heels. I mean, like, this team, while depleted... Like they, they lost more on offense than they did on defense, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. And like Granted, they were their pretty entire linebacker room was gone, but they still had defensive backs in their defensive line. Yeah, and their linebackers, the ones that they backfilled, were very good, honestly. And I like their one of their linebackers had one of the best plays of the game for them, where he nearly picked Skyler uh, and would have been pick six. But Klein called a great game. It seems like contrary to mess when we would be throwing to receivers it felt like there people were just covered a lot with the exception of a few concepts it felt like skylar was throwing to wide open receivers a lot of tonight like people were 
wide open. And I don't attribute that to a bad defense. I attribute that to excellent scheming by Colin Klein, especially based on what we've seen this year. Because we have seen K-State just... We've seen K-State struggle to get people open against bad defenses this season. But this is a unbelievably athletically talented defense. And Colin Klein called a great game, far beyond what I expected. And it seems like you know, the players love him. He's down there on the sideline making the And I loved what I saw from him. A+. plus. Yeah. And next up is the Clandy Man. And he called himself a pretty good defensive day, which, you know, maybe you could make an argument that it's not horribly impressive, but still... He was dialing up the right coverages when it mattered, and when it didn't matter, it didn't matter. So honestly, he gets an A-plus from me. I gave him an A. Um, the only reason is because it felt like LSU did have some success at times with running the ball, and I was like, you know, we really should have been able to stop that. Although I'm being utterly nitpicky with that, and a lot of it is because I have very high expectations for Joe Landerman. And so... I'm a razor's edge from giving him an A, but I did want to see a little bit more, which again, I'm really splitting hairs with that. Klanderman had an excellent game. He, like you said, he, he called everything the way it needed to be. It's clear that we had a philosophy in place. We learned from the heavy run attack that Texas threw at us, and we didn't let that phase us. We covered the read option very well with a few small exceptions. Yeah. And they, because they never had a breakaway run on us, it felt like. And so Kleinerman did a really nice job. Give him an A. So that wraps up game day grades. And now we can talk about MVPs or most valuable players. And we'll start off on the offensive side of the ball. And I'll let you, you won the coin toss here, the hypothetical coin toss that I just did. Do you want to do your offensive first or your defensive first? I'll do my offensive first. Okay. I went with Skylar Thompson and I don't think that's a controversial pick at all. I mean, like it kind of is actually because of deuce, but at the end of the day, it's Skylar's last game. He showed up and had one of the best games of his career. Deuce had a deuce game. Skylar had a great game and I, I absolutely loved what we saw from him. It was an emotional game because you know, it's him finishing out his career. So I, 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 I can pick nobody else but Skyler. And, like, I would have, even if he had a questionable game, if he had led us to victory, I still probably picked him. But yeah. Skyler, he was just, he was so good. He was throwing darts. The throw to Brooks for, like, 34 yards. That was so ridiculous. That's an NFL throw. That is a <laughs> legitimate NFL throw. That might have been the... I know that we said a few weeks ago, a few, a few weeks in... Game. relative terms yeah yeah west virginia it, throw yeah. a few this game weeks ago five west times throw. better than the west virginia throw this was the best throw of his career i mean that was in triple coverage against a good secondary and i forget what the moment was or like what the situation was it barely matters honestly <laughs> like yeah because it was just it was sensational it was a sensational throw second and eight with five minutes to go in the third quarter but i mean and Brooks also, credit to Brooks, great catch. Great catch on that play. But, wow. Skyler, he was great. And it looks like he had a little bit better direction, honestly, this game than he has most of the season. 
like he was making more reads it felt like than he normally does yeah and he he looked Colin a Klein li- said hey man just make some reads he said oh okay what are those what are those like, <laughs> oh mess never told you <laughs> oh, oh shame yeah skyler mvp yeah my brain tells me it should be deuce because he scored four touchdowns my heart That's however true. does not care it is Skylar Thompson all the way. Skylar Thompson, offensive MVP. Yeah. I mean, like, it's hard to not say deuce. And I feel like any other game, it's deuce. Because, I mean, four touchdowns, that is hard to overcome. Yeah. But, man, I mean, Skylar was just so good. Yeah. Now, defensive MVP, I deferred to defense and... Connor knows how excited I am to finally make this pick. Your defensive MVP for the Texas Bowl is none other than the Ross Boss Ross Elder for his 32-yard interception return, as well as being the leading tackler. Ross Boss, I'm going to miss you, man. Come on down and get your MVP award that we never give anything physical for, but we appreciate you, man. Before the game... I selected Russ Yeast, and I'm very, very tempted to pick him because he had a big interception, and he had a good game, generally. Like, he did get a taunting call, which I thought was kind of... And... Because, uh, I mean, that should that should have been one of those double calls. But... Yeah. I mean, it's hard to not give it to Ross Elder this week. And I'm going to go ahead and give it to Ross because... I mean, 11 tackles and a pick in the bowl game. Best game of his career, other than arguably Baylor, but even so, we're going to say this is the best game because he had a pick. Like, Ross, I I love him. I've really grown to love him. I think the fan base has grown too. Cause Which I is a people, complete reversal. Because <laughs> he, for a while, he was the Daniel Sorensen of the defense. He was the scapegoat when things went bad because generally it was deserved. But he has completely turned around how he plays. And he's looked like a different player in the second half of this season. And I, I'm very happy for him. He deserves it because he's an incredibly hard worker. You know, real real gym rat, student of the game, high football IQ, you know, bring your lunch pail to work type of kid. <laughs> Cliche like, number 85. Ross Elder, like, he's, he's got deceptive speed. You know, he'll really kill you. With, you know, he's just... He, like, he's he just first loves, one in the door, last one out. He just loves the game of football. football. <laughs> Unselfish player, Ross oh Elder. <laughs> He he's my MVP. I'm I'm <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So that is well we have one more topic to talk about and this is a big one. Colin Klein was the interim offensive coordinator for this game. And one of the big questions was is this going to be the game that serves as an audition? for Colin Klein to be K-State's official offensive coordinator next year. So let's assume for a minute that it is. Let's assume that this was his big shot, his his Broadway moment to show what he could do, right? Are we okay with Colin Klein being the offensive coordinator for the Kansas State University Wildcats going into this next season? My knee-jerk reaction is yes. And it's not particularly hard to say that. I know that I'm coming off of the emotional high of drubbing an SEC school. I don't care what <laughs> excuse they have. They took a fat L, and I don't care. 
<laughs> and you know what? They be they would be making fun of us if we had thirty eight scholarship players. So oh, absolutely. They have no they have no shame. They have no yeah. And I, I'd feel a little worse if they hadn't played so dirty all game. But you know, they're the whole game was chippy. I don't feel bad for them. No, their fan base sucks. I don't care. Yeah. Like Klein just threw it all over the place. He threw when we needed to throw, ran when we needed to run. He put every player in the offense in the best possible position to succeed at all times, I felt. I was expecting a solid performance from Klein. I was expecting net gain but slight over mess. It felt like it felt like giving the a rusty car that ran but not particularly well. It felt like giving it like a makeover, a new a fresh new coat of paint and replacing all the broken parts. And it came out looking like a completely different car, even though it's the same car. Yeah. Because I mean this is this is the same offense, but Klein just runs it. Like with with much more creativity, more situational awareness, much much. This is the biggest. This is the kicker. It, adaptability. Oh my goodness. Oh, absolutely. We changed. I, we changed things in the game, and I never knew I needed that badly. Yeah. <laughs> it. Like I think the best part is is that I'm trying. To, I'm thinking of Messingham's best games. Right. I'm thinking of his Oklahoma games. I yeah. think that this was a better called game than any of Mess's Oklahoma games. Which I agree. This was done on the interim level. Colin yeah. Klein, as an interim offensive coordinator, who was given two weeks to come up with what he wants to do, came out and had the best offensive coordinating job that I've seen at K-State since the climate era has begun. I'm sold, yeah. and he can clearly recruit. I'm honestly sold. That, and it means he's no longer the quarterback's coach. Because, yes, it is officially proven. Being a quarterback's coach and being an offensive coordinator are two different skill sets. Yep. I'm perfectly fine with Colin Klein being the offensive coordinator going into next year. I am, too. I think it's all but official at this point. I, I think it's pretty clear that Klein, after this performance, is getting the job. I would be very, very surprised if he didn't. But I love the performance that Klein had. Like, I'm absolutely fine with him being the OC. At least as of right now, at 1.10 a.m., uh, just a couple hours after the, the game finishes. But, yeah, Klein, wow, what, what a game. Way beyond my expectations. The best offensive performance of the season, not particularly really, close. Really close. I mean, the closest it gets is KU, but LSU, even on their backups, like, those are more talented athletes than what KU has. Like, mm -hmm. LSU, like, alleged JV defense is better than some starting units in the Big 12. And at least athletically in terms of talent. Like, yeah. I, wow, Klein really blew me away. Like, I, I, I did not expect this great of a performance from him so i'm absolutely fine with him as oc i i didn't think anyone expected as good a performance from him i think everyone kind of expected it to be more of the same and while it was still you could still tell it was the same offense with a few wrinkles thrown in however it took all of the stupid inefficiencies of a messingham run offense 
and then just decided, what if we didn't do that? So it was literally just Messingham offense plus. Yeah. Like, we weren't pounding our heads into a wall when something wasn't working. Like, we weren't trying to fit, like, a square peg in a round hole. Like, we saw if something wasn't working, and we moved away from it. And that, again, I know I've said it a few times, but his adaptability was the most impressive quality that he carried, I think, in this game. Like, his willingness to move away from what they planned on doing when they saw it was not working. Like, when we were running outside zone, we've said this a little bit already, but, like, Noah Johnson just wasn't able to pull and beat the linebackers because their linebackers are incredibly athletic and they're faster than Noah Johnson. I'm sorry, Noah, but, you know, the five-star, four-star, whatever linebacker is probably faster than offensive line. I think you're lying to me. I think I, I think that's cap. I think you're right. I made it up. I made it up. I made it up. But I'm joking. But, yeah, like, he saw that wasn't working, and then he moved to more. And that worked. And then he also was great in uh, pass calls. Like, a majority of the mistakes that were made in the pass game, and there were not many pass mistakes made, were either great plays by LSU's defense or receiver drops. And, you know, as an offensive coordinator, you can call the right play. Sometimes it just doesn't work. But most of the time, the plays did work tonight. People executed because Klein put them in the position to execute. I know that we said nobody expected this. I think one person on earth that was not calling Klein expected this, I think it's Chris Kleiman. I think he saw this was coming. And he didn't care that... There was like a little bit of skepticism in the fan base. I mean, he shouldn't. He should make his own and not base it that much on what the fan base says. Yeah. But he, I, I think he saw the talent that Colin Klein had to potentially be a good OC, and he proved it tonight. Yeah, absolutely. So that pretty much wraps up everything that we had to say. And uh, before we inevitably do our season recap which will be coming in the in a few weeks somewhere in that i still want to do that episode in person i do too yeah i think that's important so it'll be at least a couple weeks yeah but for one final note it's it's been a wonderful season for for k-state despite sometimes it not going the way that we wanted it to or you know, not making it to the Big 12 championship. This was a year that was special. It, it was special to, I'm not, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but it, it, was, it was special to me coming off of a uh, COVID year and starting this show. And obviously I don't want to make this exclusively about me because it was a special season for the guys there as well. But it was uh, a great season. And while I technically could think of seasons that would have been better for us to start this show on i i can't think of many that would have been at least let more interesting and i just i want to give a heartfelt thank you to everyone who's listened to these episodes i want to give a heartfelt thank you to all of the seniors who put their bodies on the line and like Skyler, thank you to Noah Johnson, thank you to Russ Yeast, Reggie Stubblefield especially. Thanks to all of you for making this season what it was and having it end on one beautiful high note that we all sung in harmony. Yep, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. This was a great season to start with, I think, as a podcast because we're seeing the end 
it's like we're seeing the changing of the guard with K-State. This, I think, is where the climbing era is really starting to get. We're seeing some of the last vestiges of Snyder era players graduate and leave. And Kleiman's really starting to get his mark on the program. And this program's on an upswing. And I'm really looking forward to seeing where we go in this near future and far future. Because right now I'm very impressed with Kleiman. And I know that we could have had more this year. But you know what? That's part of the journey. Like we had a topsy-turvy season. Like Skyler, for a brief moment, we thought he was done for the year. We were going to Will Howard again. And then Howard, you know, despite struggles, he went two and one, like in his significant playing time, at least uh, early in the year. That is. Yeah, and Skyler wasn't beating that OSU team. Mm-mm. No, but with hindsight, absolutely not. Like, but since Skyler came back with a vengeance and played really strong, he had a few struggles here and there, but Skyler was great. And this is a really fun team to talk about because it has its stars but it has a lot of role players that i really enjoy like guys like ross elder like walk-ons i spent like five years at the program that didn't really become great until the tail end of their careers and people that weren't paying attention aren't going to remember ross elders but weren't always going to ross elder as we covered him and you know talked about maybe him being lackluster early in the season and last year us being frustrated with him like getting all the playing time that he was and then this year you know like we finally get to see him break out and have some great games and i if you told me at the beginning of the year that this season would finish eight and five with a one point a five question mark game win streak four or five and yeah. a bowl game victory after New Year's Eve over LSU, I'd be a happy camper. Like, I know at some points during this year, like after Stanford, we were seen enough. But you know what? <laughs> all all things considered, and with hindsight, eight and five is and we dropped a few that we should have had. We should have had Texas. We had a shot at Baylor. But all in all, it's most of the teams, most of the teams that we lost to were talented. And the one team we lost to that I think that we probably should have beat because it's Texas. <clears throat> but that was not the player's fault. That was a guy's fault that isn't here anymore. And I'm very excited for the future. I know I've said that a few times already, but yeah, some high quality transfers coming in. Some young guys are developing. Khalid Duke is back next year. I can hear the smile on your face. I am smiling. And <laughs> I guess I'm excited. I constantly forget about Khalid Duke because of the breakout of guys like Nate Matlick and Felix and UDK Uzama. I'm here like, oh, we're going to have a great pass rush year. Pass rush next year. Oh, yeah. And Khalid Duke is coming back. And oh. Eli Huggins is coming back. Like, and we're going to go out and get a nose tackle transfer. And we have Kobe Savage coming in. Marvin Martin's been getting it's TJ Smith's back. Sincere Mason hopefully recovers. Jennings. Jennings. Brandon Jennings. Daniel the greatest Brandon and Jennings are going to kill someone next year. They're collectively going to get ejected from at least five games. I don't care. <laughs> Echo and Julius Brents are both back. Salty, salty mob defense next year. We're bringing back both of our starting tackles. We're bringing back the god himself, the man of Manhattan, Deuce Vaughn. 
bringing back a lot of receivers and we're bringing back a majority of the coaching staff and i think all in all the guys that are still here i think they're pretty good and i am excited about the future i'm very i know i keep saying it but i can't help i can't help but look at the future and think that things are only up from here i may eat crow on that i don't care though that's what i think right now someone page freezing cold day (laughs) oh dear (laughs) but i i don't know i just can't help but be optimistic about this team next year and that's a that's a beautiful note to end this bowl season on. The national championship doesn't count. I'm uh, I'm not even gonna watch it. I probably won't. Eat. I mean, I probably end up will, but I'm gonna hate watch it. Yeah. But thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. If you want to contact the show, we are at Aggieville A Cats on Twitter. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C in cats. If you want to email us, we are Aggieville Alley Cats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at ACEdward00. I am at Connor Bautzasor, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show in a financial sense, we're always looking for sponsors. But if you want something in return, we have the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store, where you can buy such designs as Neon Alley Cats and Play Sandstorm Cowards. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.